Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. chapter 20. Well, today is the very last Sunday. Uh, we're closing out our summer sermon series on what the Bible has to say about end-time prophecy. And uh, we've dealt with a, a lot of different material, but today we're going to be talking about the great white throne judgment. What does the Bible have to say about the great white throne judgment? Before we go much further, I want to share with you the, the order of future events. They'll be on the screen here for you. And these are the things that we've been unpacking together as we've talked about the prophecy or, or the doctrine of last things. It's a big word titled eschatology, and that's the doctrine of last things. And here's the order of future events that will take place. Now, we spend every Sunday or a lot of Sundays talking about all of these. Uh, at the, one of the very first sermons we talked about was, are we really living in the end days? Are we really living in the last days? And you can go on our podcast and hear these. But then we took them in order and we tried to preach on them each Sunday in the order that they would take place whenever the end time really starts to unfold, okay? The first thing, the next, matter of fact, the next event to take place on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. Whenever we start talking about the future events that take place in the end times, the next event to take place is the rapture of the church. And then from there, it's the tribulation period. The church is called out. The bride is called out. We've gone to be with the Lord in heaven. The tribulation period is taking place here on earth. That's the seven-year tribulation period, three and a half years of peace, three and a half years of great tribulation, where the Bible talks about the abomination of desolation taking place, where the Antichrist himself literally sits on David's throne, and it's, it's just literal hell on earth okay that's through the tribulation period and then there's the judgment seat of Christ which takes place during the tribulation period and the judgment seat of Christ is only for believers okay we will be there before God in heaven we will be judged not on whether we're saved or lost not on whether we get to heaven or not we're going to be judged according to our works to see how many crowns we have earned and there are five biblical crowns in the Bible that can be earned and how many rewards we can get so that whenever we're worshiping the Lord around the throne, we'll have these rewards to lay at His feet. And that's the judgment seat of Christ that all believers will stand in. And then there's the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now the judgment seat of Christ, the marriage supper of the Lamb, both of those are taking place while, this, while the tribulation period is taking place here on earth. These two are taking place in heaven for the believers. And we talked about the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then after that, at the end of the seven-year tribulation period is when the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to take place where He's literally going to come and stand on the Mount of Olives and we, the church, the bride of Christ, will come with Him at that moment. That's the second coming. Now, when the second coming takes place, what's going to take place then? That's what we talked about last week is the millennial reign of Christ. This 1,000-year period where we literally are going to come back, we are going to rule and reign with the Lord. Okay? You've heard in, in many, uh, matter of fact, you've probably gone in some Christian bookstores 
or you've gone in some, some of the areas where they have artwork up. And you see the picture where the lion is laying down with the lamb. How many has ever seen that picture? You know, you have this, this huge lion and this, this fragile lamb, and they're both grazing together and laying together out in a field. Well, that will take place during the millennial reign uh, where Satan is bound, uh, sin is not, not allowed. Uh, it's a perfect, almost perfect environment until Satan will be released again at the end of that 1,000-year period for a short time. So we talked last week about the millennial reign of Christ. At the end of the millennial reign of Christ, <clears throat> after Satan is loosed, loosed for a season... And he will gather those that will try to overthrow God's throne even in that day. Then after that will be what we're going to be talking about today, <clears throat> the great white throne judgment. So we, we see that in Revelation chapter 20 and verses 11 down through verse number 15. If you have your Bibles, open them up there, please. Also on the back of your worship folder, your bulletin, there's a place for you to take some notes. And I want to encourage you to jot down some of these things as we, as we work our way through this. But I'm primarily going to be dealing with these five verses that we see in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11 down through verse number 15. The Bible says, Then I saw a great white throne and one seated on it. Earth and heaven fled from his presence and no place was found for them. I also saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by what was written in the books. And then the sea gave up its dead. <clears throat> and death and Hades gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their works. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. And this is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone not found written in the book of life was thrown <clears throat> into the lake of fire. Let us pray together. Father, right now as we unpack your word this morning, we ask for your leadership, for your guidance. We pray, dear God, that you would illuminate the word of God. Give us insight, Lord, to what your word is saying. And Father, I just pray you'd open up our hearts and our minds and our ears and help us to have understanding. Help us to see what is taking place here at the great white throne judgment. Father, I pray that you would use me to proclaim your word today. Father, I pray that if there's anyone here that does not have a personal relationship with you, I pray that today would be the day when they would enter into that relationship, when they would repent and ask you to forgive them of their sins and invite you in to be the Lord and the Savior of their life. Help us to remember that salvation... And Christianity is all about a relationship. It's not about being religious. It's not about a bunch of rules and regulations. It's about a relationship. A relationship with you. Lord, I thank you that you have provided a way that we can enter into that relationship. Through your son dying on the cross. I pray, God, you bless now the preaching, the studying of your word this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now as we start to unpack <clears throat> this great white throne judgment, I just want to start off with making one declaration. And the declaration I want to make is this. At the great white throne judgment, there will not 
be one born-again believer at this judgment. Okay? You need to understand that. At the great white throne judgment, if you have trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you will not be at this judgment. On the other hand, if you have trusted in being a good person, if you have trusted in your works, if you have tr- put your faith and your trust in your baptism, possibly you put your faith and your, in your trust in taking communion, or in any good deed or good works, or just being a religious person, if that is all you've placed your, your trust and your, and your faith in, then I'm here to tell you today that there's a possibility that you could be standing here at the great white throne judgment. Any individual that has come to the place where they recognize that they are a sinner, they, they realize that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, that he was buried and he rose again victoriously the third day, and we've placed our faith in him as our Lord and our Savior, and we are born again, then I'm here to tell you today, you will not be at this judgment. Hello? If you've had the blood of Jesus Christ applied to your life, you will not be at this judgment. But if you're trusting in anything else other than the person of Jesus Christ for your salvation, you're at risk at being at the great white throne judgment. So this morning, I want to look at three things in reference to this judgment that we see in verses 11 down through verse number 15 of Revelation chapter 20. I want us to first of all look at the judge on the throne, and then we're going to look at the justice at the throne, and then we're going to look at the judgment from the throne. First of all, let's look at the judge that is on the throne. I want you to look what the Bible says in verse number 11. Then I saw the eye there is John the Revelator. He was called up and he was able to get this vision. He was able to pin it down for us. He says, then I saw a great white throne and one seated on it. Earth and heaven fled from his presence and no place was found for them. I want you to see, first of all, the picture of this throne, the picture of the great white throne. The Bible gives us in verse number 11, two adjectives that really describes what this throne looks like. Look what it says. First of all, it says it is a great throne. The word great just simply means it's a powerful throne. This is a great, powerful throne. It's the highest court in all of the universe. It's the place of highest authority. It is a powerful, a great throne. But also look what it says. It is a white throne. Well, what does that mean? It means that it is is a throne that is pure. It's a symbol, the word white there is a symbol for purity. It is a powerful, pure throne that is there. Now I want you to understand something, guys. The one that rules on this throne is not like any other human courts or human thrones that are judges that are here in our world today. This throne is not stained by sin. It is not stained by any prejudices. It is not stained by any, or it is not fallible in any way. I want you to know this throne is pure. And this throne is powerful, the great white throne. There's your picture of it. And i got to hit this stuff quickly or I'll never get done today. But also I want you to see the person on the throne. Not only is it a great, powerful, white, pure throne, but the Bible tells us in verse number 11 that there is one that is seated on it. The Bible tells us that at the great white throne there is someone who occupies this throne. 
Now here in this verse of scripture, the identity of the one is not revealed. But through other passages of scripture, we can see that the one that is ruling from the throne is the person, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We see first of all his name. Who is the one that's ruling from the throne? Who is this one that sits on the throne? Who is the person on the throne? The person is the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to write down this reference. You may not have time to turn there. But in Acts chapter 10 and verse number 42, it says that he, and it's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. So I want you to know the one that is on the throne is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That's his name. But let's look at his nature. Look, if you will, the latter part of verse number 11. After it talks about the one that is seated on the throne, it then says this, and I find this very interesting. Earth and heaven fled from his presence, and no place was found for them. Whenever we look at the nature of the one that is on the throne, and that one is being the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to know, church, this is no lowly Nazarene. This is not some humble little carpenter boy that is on the throne here. I want you to know this is the resurrected conqueror. This is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He's filled with great power and great authority. By the way, guys, you know when Jesus came the first time, he came as this humble babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and he came very humble, and he came as a servant, and he came as just a carpenter boy, and just a small, humble Jewish boy. But let me tell you, church, when he comes again and when he sits on this throne, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he sits on this throne with great power and great authority and great purity. He is the conquering King of kings and Lord of lords. I want to give you a picture of him. Turn in your Bibles. I want you to get this. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter number 7. Now, for those that are interested, I have preached an entire series verse by verse through the entire book of Daniel. You can find those on our podcast. You're going to have to go back a few years. But here we see in Daniel's vision, I want you to get a picture of the nature of the person that is on the throne. Look, if you will, in Daniel chapter 7. I'm going to be reading verses 9 and 10. But this is part of Daniel's vision. You remember the vision? It's the vision that he had of the four beasts. And, boy, there's a great study, and I wish I had time to share it with you right now. But if you look in verse number 4, it talks about the, the first vision that he saw in verse 4. The first was like a lion who had eagle's wings. That's a picture of the Babylonian empire. And then he says in verse number 5, suddenly another beast appeared. A second one looked like a bear. That is typifying the Mede and the Persian empire that was to come and overrule and take, take authority. And then it says in verse number 6, while I was watching, another beast appeared like a leopard. That's the Grecian empire. Matter of fact, this is, gives reference to Alexander the Great who, who raced like a leopard conquering all the known world in his day. But then verse number 7 says this, while I was watching in the night vision, a fourth beast appeared, frightening with dreadful, incredibly strong with large iron teeth, it devoured and crushed and it trampled with its feet whatever was left. It was different from all the beasts before it and it had ten horns. This is reference to the Roman Empire. Which we know today there is no Roman Empire that's dominating the world. But in the end time, the Roman Empire will be revised. 
it will gather its strength once again, and there will be ten kings that will help lead the Roman Empire. And out of the ten kings will come this one king, this great horn, which we know Daniel talks about being the Antichrist. Now, I don't have time to unpack all of that, but I want you to look what he says in verse number 8. While I was considering the horn, suddenly another horn, a little one, came up among them. Three of the first horns were uprooted before it, and their eyes were on this horn like a man, and it had a mouth that spoke arrogantly. That symbolized a picture of the Antichrist. In verse number 9, as I kept watching, I want you to notice the transition here. Here now we're seeing the nature, the picture of the person that is on the throne here at the great white throne judgment. He says, as I kept watching, thrones were set in place, get this, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. And his clothing, get this now, his clothing was white like snow, and the hair on his head like whitest wool, and his throne was flaming fire, and its wheels were blazing fire, and a river of fire was flowing, coming out from his presence, get this, Thousands upon thousands served him. Ten thousand times ten thousands stood before him. The court was convened and the books were opened. Can you get a visual now of this throne that is taking place here? The nature of the person that sits on this throne. And then it says the court was convened and the books were opened. Well, there we see a picture of the person on the throne. But I want you to also see the perception of this throne. Look at the latter part back in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 11. I want you to see the perception. I want you to notice that heaven and earth fled from his presence. But notice the Bible says there was no place found for them. In other words, there was nowhere to hide. The perception from the throne is this. The one sitting on the throne, he knows all things. He hears all things. Church, may I tell you this morning, there is not one thing in your life you may think you have it hidden. You may think nobody really knows. But I'm here to tell you today, God knows all. Amen? He knows all. He hears all. He sees all. There is nothing. Heaven and earth in that day are trying to flee from his presence. I mean, there's fear that has overcome them. And they're thinking, this is the Lord. And I gave you a picture in Daniel 7 of what this throne may look like. And heaven and earth and all, the, all those that are making up heaven and earth in that day are trying to hide from Him. But verse number 11 says there's no place to hide. Amen? God's listen. I hope and pray that's not you today. God knows everything about your life. He knows what's going on in the deepest part of your soul and the deepest part of your heart. And the best thing that you can do right now is just lay it out before God and ask Him to forgive you and and start living for Him and start trusting Him. I promise you the Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And honey, I promise you, you want to bow a knee on this side of heaven. And if you refuse to bow a knee to Him on this side... You will bow a knee one day and you will offer up worship and you will make a confession that he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. But I promise you, it will be too late in that day because immediately after you make that profession that yes, you are the king, he'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Matthew chapter 7. Now guys, listen. The perception of the throne is this. 
There's no place to hide. There's nowhere to hide. He knows all things. He sees all things. Things. No sin is hidden. No thought that's ever take place in our mind. Everything will be revealed in that day. Well, that's a little bit about the judge. I must move on. Let me share with you, secondly, not only the judge on the throne, but I want you to see the justice on this throne. I want you to see the justice that takes place in verses 12 through 13. The Bible says, I also saw the dead, keyword, the great and the small standing before the throne. Get this, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to the works by what was written in what? In the books. And then the sea gave up its dead, and death and Hades gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their works. As we look at the justice at the throne, the first thing I want you to see, I want you to see the defendants that are appearing at the throne. The Bible says in verse number 12 that I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. You remember the declaration I gave you at the onset of this message where I told you that if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you will not be at this throne, you will not be at this judgment, but only those that are unsaved, only the lost will be there. How do I know that? How can I make such a bold declaration like that? Because of what verse number 12 says. At this throne, those that are standing to be judged by the great, mighty, powerful Lord Jesus Christ at the great white throne judgment, the Bible tells us that the defendants there and the individuals that are there are the dead. The dead that are small and great. Listen, guys, there's no way in the world that can be a born-again believer that is in that group of the dead. You may ask the question, why? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. It's a great question. Why will believers not be there? Because we're not numbered with the dead, church. Hello? Look, listen to what the Bible says in John 5 and verse number 4. For those who have trusted Jesus as their Savior, it says this. It says, we have passed from death unto what? Finish it. You know the verse. Life. For those that have trusted Jesus as their Savior, the Bible says we have passed from death unto life. We have been given eternal, abundant life. Now, matter of fact, Jesus says, I, I give you life and I give it to you more abundantly. Listen, we don't live a dead life. We don't serve a dead Savior. Amen? We that are born again are trusting in Jesus as our Savior. The Bible says that we are alive. But only the dead will stand here at the great white throne judgment. That's a little bit about the defendants. i got to move on. I want you to see, I, man, I want to get this. I want you to see the documents. Notice what it says in verse 12. It says that at the throne, and those standing before the throne are the dead, the great and the small standing before the throne. Get this. And the books, plural, the books, plural, were opened. And another book, singular, was opened. And he gives name to that singular book, which is the book of life. And what's the point of the books? There are books, plural, and then there is a book, singular, which is named here in verse 12. It says it is the book of life. What's the point of the books? Look what it says. And the dead were judged according to... To their works by what was written in what? Talk to me, church. By what was written in what? The books. Guys, you realize 
that those that are standing before this throne are going to be judged by what's written in the books. Now, I don't know about you. And I, matter of fact, I won't be at this, this judgment. I know. I will not be there. I can tell you, I will not be at the great white throne judgment. Let me tell you why. Not any good works that I have done. Not because I'm a special person. Not because I'm a, I'm a godly man. Because I'm really none of those things. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Amen. I am clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Whenever God looks over the portals of heaven, he sees all of humanity in one of two men. You are either in Adam in your sin or you are in Christ Jesus and all of Christ's righteousness is imputed upon you as a believer the moment that you trust him as your savior. So we're not standing there boasting in what we have done. We're standing there humbled by what Jesus has done and we've placed our faith in him. So listen, when God sees me, he sees John Cannon in his son. Matter of fact, the conversation goes like this. God the Father looks over to his son. Now this is canonology, okay? <clears throat> it's not real good theology. This is canonology. You can take it or leave it, all right? I'm not going to tell you this is what the Bible says. Canonology, you got it? Now I'm not talking about the full canon of Scripture with one end. I'm talking about the two-end canon. Are you tracking with me? Ology may go something like this. God the Father looks at me when I stand, not at the great white throne judgment, but when I die and stand before him. And he say, why should I let you into my heaven? And I look back at him and I say, well, you know, I was a pastor all these years. I mean, I started Victory Church and we saw a bunch of people saved and we saw people come to know, why should I let you into my heaven? Well, I've been a pastor. No, that won't get you into my heaven. Why, why should I let you into my heaven? Well, I've been baptized. I mean, I, I, I've partaken of communion. I've served communion. No, that won't get you into my heaven. All of a sudden, remember, canonology. All of a sudden, Jesus comes. Hey, Dad, what's going on? Canonology, okay? Bear with me. God the Father looks. He says, I got this guy standing here. Now, get this. I know this is not biblical because I believe in the omniscience of a holy God. He knows all things. There's nothing hidden from him. He knows everything. Just play with me right here, will you? God the Father looks at Jesus, his son, and this guy standing here claiming that he wants to come into our heaven and I don't see any just cause to allow him into our heaven. And Jesus will say this, Father, he's one of ours because I died for him and he trusted in me as his Savior and my blood has been shed for him. It's been applied to his sin. He's now clothed in my righteousness and God the Father will say, oh, okay, come on in. You see, the point I'm trying to make is this. The only way you get to heaven is by trusting in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, not in your good works. But I want you to see here that the dead, those that are unsaved, they're going to stand before God one day and they're going to be judged and they're going to be judged out of these books. Now, I don't know about you, but if I've never trusted Jesus as my Savior, I'd want to know what I'm going to be judged by, okay? Maybe, hopefully, prayerfully, I could live up to it and, and escape this great judgment. And the Bible says that those that are standing there in that day, they're going to be judged out of these books. And then it mentions a singular book, the book of life. Well, what are these books? Well, just let me share with you what I think Scripture may shine some light on some of the books that will be there at the great white throne judgment. I want you to jot these down. The first book that I think will be there is the Bible. I mean, it's the Word of God. You see, listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said in John 12 and 48, the one who rejects me and doesn't accept my sayings has this as his judge 
the word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. You see, Jesus was, listen, Jesus was the living word of God. And today we have the Bible, the full canon of Scripture that's inspired, that's infallible, that's inerrant. It is the Word of God. This is the written Word of God. And Jesus says, in the last days, those that have rejected me, they will be judged by my Word. And friends, I can't help but believe that one day the Bible will be there at the great white throne judgment. Therefore, man will certainly be without excuse. Any excuse that is brought up, we can give you chapter and verse to refute any excuse that any man may give. So the Bible is going to be there. Let the scoffers scoff. Let the rejectors reject. Let people make fun of you for being a Bible-believing Christian. That's okay. One day, the world will be judged by this book. Hello? The Bible will will be there. There's another book that we believe will be there, and it's called the Book of Deeds. Guys, do you realize that recorded in heaven is every deed of every man, everything you've ever done, every thought you've ever thought, every action you've ever committed, every deed, everything is recorded in the book. In verse number 12, it says they will be judged according to what? According to their works. Okay, let's see. Here's... So-and-so, let's pull up so-and-so's name. I don't want to use anybody's name here because I'm hoping none of you guys are at the great white throne judgment. And we're going to go to so-and-so's names and everything you have ever done in your life in this book of deeds, every action you've ever done, every sin, every good deed, every bad deed, every thought you've had, every word you've spoken, everything is recorded. You're going to be judged out of this book of deeds. The Bible says in verse 12, you're going to be judged according to what? According to your works that are written down. By the way, guys, listen, heaven takes notice of everything we do. Hello? So there's the Bible, there's the book of deeds, there's another book that I believe is there. And of course, I pull this from Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, as well as Revelation 17 and verse number 8. It's called the book of life. I want you to look. It says, I am a, or I want you to notice this. The book of life I believe also is a book of the living. Now it's in my opinion this. I believe that every name of every person who would have been born is written in this book. This is the book of life. You see, because I believe that Jesus died on the cross for all mankind. I believe everyone is potentially saved. Hello? I mean, we all have the opportunity to be saved. So we have the book of life, and in the book of life, every single person that has ever been born, their name is in the book of life. But I also believe this, when a sinner dies without trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, I believe their name is erased out of the book of life, because they're now in the book of the dead, not in the book of the living, okay? So there's the book of life. And then, of course, the other book we see in Revelation 21, 27 is the Lamb's book of life. And I believe it's just the opposite. And this book is every single person that has ever accepted Christ as their Savior, then their name is written down. Everyone's potentially saved. When you do not accept Christ, you Savior, your name's taken out of the book of life. When you do accept Christ, you Savior, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I mean, these are some of the books. There may be other books. 
But I believe we can go to chapter and verse and pull out these books that are, that are there. We've talked about the defendants. We've talked about some of the documents. Here's the decision. The decision at the throne is this. Look at verse 13. They were judged according to their works. The books were opened. The judgment is rendered. And it's based on the evidence that is found in the books. In other words, it's based on the life that was lived here on earth. And everything is documented. So we've looked at the judge that is on the throne. We've looked at the justice at the throne. Let me wrap it up with this. I want you to look at the judgment from the throne. Look in Revelation chapter 20 in verse number 14 and 15. The Bible says that death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. And this is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. As we look at this judgment, there's three things quickly I just want to make reference to, and we can throw them all up on the screen. I believe it's a fearful judgment. I believe it's a final judgment. And I believe it's a foolish judgment. Let me look first of all at the fearful part of it. You see, the, the sentence that is rendered from this bench is death. But here I want you to understand something. It's not just physical death. It is a second death. It is eternal separation from God in the lake of fire. Matter of fact, it's a second death where you continue to keep dying. This second death over and over and over and over and over again through all eternity. It's a fearful judgment. No one wants to be there. I'm reminded of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25 as we think about the horror of hearing Jesus say something like this. He says, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire. Notice he also says this, prepared for the devil and his angels. Some people may ask, well, why does hell exist? If God is such a loving God, why did he even create a hell? Let me say this. Hell was never created for mankind. The Bible says that it was created, Jesus said, Matthew 25, 41, Jesus said that hell was prepared for the devil, Satan, and the angels, the third of the angels that followed him in the great rebellion in heaven, hell was prepared for them. God never intended for you as a human being to ever, ever go to hell. Matter of fact, your name is in the book of life from the very beginning. Every single person that's ever been born, their name is there. You are potentially saved. The Bible says that Jesus died for the sins of the entire world. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We all have an opportunity. But guys, if you reject God's love by giving His only begotten Son and Him dying on the cross for your sins, you can't go to heaven because no sin's allowed into heaven. I believe it will break the heart of our God at the great white throne judgment. I believe it will break the heart of our God to have to send people to a devil's hell that was never prepared for them. And by the way, at this point, do you remember when the Bible teaches about how Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eye. Why in the world are we sad 
and weeping and crying in heaven. Why are we sad at the marriage supper of the Lamb? Why are we sad during the millennial reign? During that 1,000 year reign with Christ, why are we sad? We're not sad then. When then are we weeping? To the place where Jesus is going to come and He's going to wipe away the tears from our eyes. I believe it's right here at this judgment. Because the Bible says, if you remember, that we will come back and we will stand in judgment with our Lord. I believe we'll see this great white throne judgment. We'll be, thankfully, on the winning side. But I believe we'll see loved ones. Possibly your mom, possibly your dad, possibly your husband, possibly your son, possibly your daughter that you've just allowed to go through the religious motions and you've never shared Jesus with them and you've never made sure they were born again. You've never made sure they trusted in Jesus as their personal Savior. Jesus one day will say possibly to your loved ones and possibly to some of my loved ones, He will say one day, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. God's don't know about you, but whenever I see some of my family members that don't know Christ as their Savior being judged on that day, there'll be a tear that's going to come out of my eye. That'd be a tough thing to see, don't you think? Thankfully, God's going to wipe away the tear, which I believe also has reference to wiping away all remembrance of that so that we can enjoy the eternal state of heaven from now through eternity. But this is a fearful judgment. It's also a final judgment. The declaration that comes from this bench is final. There are no appeals. There is no higher court. It's done. It's a final judgment. And the last thing, it's a foolish judgment. Why is it foolish? Because nobody has to stand there. Nobody has to be at this judgment. It's foolish for any person to think they can get through this life. And get through all that's going to unfold in the end times, thinking they can get through it without Jesus. You can't do it. It's foolish. You see, the blood of Jesus that was shed at Calvary is sufficient for all you need. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. His grace is sufficient. Romans 5, 20. Where sin multiplied, grace did much more abound. His love is sufficient, John 6, 37. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. God, I'm here to tell you today, if you're here, you don't want to be at this judgment. And it's foolish thinking you can live life and escape this judgment. You can't do it. The only way you'll escape is when you've trusted in Jesus as your Savior. And as we come to the conclusion of this message, and this is a hard one, I know. This is not a fun message to preach. But it's the truth of God's Word. And we've got to know what God's Word says. I believe two things ought to take place as we prepare for the invitation. First of all, if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, don't be so foolish that you think you can escape this judgment. The only way you'll ever escape is by trusting in Christ as your Savior. Second thing it ought to do for those of us that are saved, by the way, it's a biblical term. For those of us that are born again, once again, a biblical term. For those of us who have accepted Christ as our Savior, you know what this ought to do as we are reminded about this great white throne judgment? It ought to drive us to share the gospel with our friends, our family, our co-workers, our neighbors. Listen, guys. 
folks die without Jesus. They're dying in a dead state. And one day they'll stand at this judgment. And here's what I want you to know. And this is what I want you to tell your friends and your family. You do not have to be in the great white throne judgment. It is foolish if someone finds themselves there. And many will. Because the Bible says that narrow is the way that leads into life everlasting. And broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are far more people going to be standing at the great white throne judgment than what stands at the judgment seat of Christ as a believer, unfortunately. And what we need to do as a church, we need to be passionate about sharing our faith. We need to be passionate about sharing the gospel. We need to be passionate about living the gospel. I wonder as heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted in Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you this morning to come to Christ. I'm going to ask some of our deacons, if you will please, to rise and go to the back. I'll be here in the front as we sing this song of invitation. If you have someone you'd like to pray for, or maybe if you need prayer for yourself, I invite you to come. Now I want to say this. Coming to Christ is as easy, and I want to make it as easy as I can. You can accept Christ right there in your seat, right where you are sitting, right there. You can pray, and you can ask Christ to come into your heart and into your life. You can pray that prayer of forgiveness and realize that God loves you, and He'll save you right there where you're sitting. You don't have to get up and come forward. But if you pray that prayer right there where you're sitting, I want to invite you to open up your worship folder and indicate on your connection card that you accepted Christ today as your Savior and I want to send you some material some things that will help you in this journey of faith but if you need prayer this morning I want you to know we're in the back we're in the front if you need to come forward come you can pray right there where you're sitting Father we commit this time to you this morning and God it's hard it's hard to teach and preach on this subject God I don't even enjoy studying this part of the prophecy God, we must preach the whole counsel of God. I pray that I could stand here before our church as Paul stood before his people. He said, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. God, hell is real. Help us to realize that. Heaven is real. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Satan is prepared. Or hell is prepared for Satan and his angels. God, help us not to go there. If there's one here today that needs to accept you as their Savior, I pray right now that they'd escape this great white throne judgment just simply by praying, God, I realize that I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, was buried. Third, on the third day, he rose victorious. I accept Him as my Lord and my Savior. I repent of my sins. I ask You to come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Father, I pray someone's prayed that prayer this morning. For those of us that have already prayed that prayer, we're living out our faith. Help us, Lord, to be concerned about those in our family and our friends, our neighbors that don't know You. Help us to share the gospel with them. God, help us not to be just going through the religious motions. God, help us to get serious about our faith. We commit this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray.
Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.